Peter Pan by J. M. Barrie Chapter 11 Wendy's Story Listen then, said Wendy, settling down to her story with Michael at her feet and seven boys in the bed. There was once a gentleman. I'd rather he'd been a lady, Curdy said. I wish he had been a rat, said Nibs. Quiet, their mother admonished them. There was a lady also, and... Oh, mummy, cried the first twin. You mean that there is all a lady also, don't you? She is not dead, is she? Oh, no. I'm awfully glad she isn't dead, said Tootles. Are you glad, John? Of course I am. Are you glad, Nibs? Rather. Are you glad, twins? We are glad. Oh, dear, sighed Wendy. A little less noise there, Peter called out, determined that she should have fair play. However beastly a story it might be in his opinion, however beastly a story it might be in his opinion, the gentleman's name, Wendy continued, was Mr. Darling, and her name was Mrs. Darling. I knew them, John said, to annoy the others. I think I knew them, said Michael rather doubtfully. They were married, you know explained Wendy. And what do you think they had? White rats, cried Nibs, inspired. No, it's awfully puzzling, said Toodles, who knew the story by heart. Quiet, Toodles. They had three descendants. What are descendants? Well, you are one, twin. Did you hear that, John? I am a descendant. Descendants are only children, said John. Oh dear, oh dear, sighed Wendy. Now these three children had a faithful nurse called Nana. Well, this is quite self-referential, isn't it? But Mr. Darling was angry with her and chained her up in the yard. And so all the children flew away. It's an awfully good story, said Nibs. They flew away, Wendy continued, to the Neverland, where the lost children are. I just thought they did, Curly broke in excitedly. I don't know how it is, but I just thought they did. Oh, Wendy, cried Tootles. Was one of the lost children called Tootles? Yes, he was. I am in a story. Hurrah! I am in a story, Nibs. Hush. Now I want you to consider the feelings of the unhappy parents with all their children flown away. Oh, they all moaned. Though they were not really considering the feelings of the unhappy parents one jot. Think of the empty beds. Oh, it's awfully sad, the first, twin, so I, the first twin said cheerfully. I don't see how it can have a happy ending, said the second twin. Do you, Nibs? I'm frightfully anxious. If you knew how great is a mother's love, Wendy told them triumphantly, you would have no fear. She had now come to the part that Peter hated. I do like a mother's love, said Tootles, hitting Nibs with a pillow. Do you like a mother's love, Nibs? I do just, said Nibs, hitting back. You see, Wendy said complacently, our heroine knew that the mother would always leave the window open for her children to fly back by. So they stayed away for years and had a lovely time. Did they ever go back? Let us know said Wendy, bracing herself up for her finest effort. Take a peep into the future. And they all give themselves a twist that makes peeps into the future easier. 
Years have rolled by. And who is this elegant lady of uncertain age, alighting at London Station? A Wendy. Who is she? cried Nibs. Every bit as excited as if he didn't know. Can it be? Yes. No. It is. The, the fair Wendy. Oh! And who are the two noble portly figures accompanying her? Now grown to man's estate. Can they be John and Michael? They are! Well, they're really playing this out as though they're seeing it. Now they're interesting. Oh! See, dear brothers, says Wendy, pointing, to, uh, pointing upwards. There is the window still standing open. Ah, now we are rewarded for our sublime faith in our mother's love. So up they flew to their mummy and daddy, and Pen cannot describe the happy scene over which we draw a veil. That was a story, and they were as pleased with it as the fair narrator herself. Everything just as it should be, you see. Off we skip like the most heartless things in the world, which is what children are, but so attractive. Well, that's heavy. Let's read that again. Off we skip like the most heartless things in the world, which is what children are, but so attractive. And we have an entirely selfish time, and then when we have need of special attention, we nobly return for it, confident that we shall be rewarded instead of smacked. So great indeed was their faith in a mother's love that they felt they could afford to be callous for a bit longer. But there was one there who knew better, but there was one there who knew better, and when Wendy finished, he uttered a hollow groan. What is it, Peter? she cried, running to him, thinking he was feeling ill. She felt him solicitous, solicit, solicitously, lower down than his chest. Where is it, Peter? It isn't the kind of... It isn't that kind of pain, Peter replied darkly. Then what is? what kind is it? Wendy, you are wrong about mothers. They all gathered round him in a fright. So alarming was his agitation, and with a fine candor he told them what he had hitherto concealed. Long ago, he said, I thought, like you, that my mother would always keep the window open for me. So I stayed away for moons and moons and moons and then flew back. But the window was barred, for mother had forgotten all about me, and there was another little boy sleeping in my bed. I am not sure that this was true, but Peter thought it was true, and it scared them. Are you sure mothers are like that? Yes. Well, they were talking about attention just a few minutes ago. And how they wanted all the attention and they would get it. So they're surprised when someone else would get the attention and rather angry and irritated, so it seems. So this was the truth about mothers, the toads. Still, it is best to be careful and no one knows so quickly as a child when he should give in. Wendy, let's go home, cried John and Michael together. Yes, yes, she said, clutching them. Not tonight, asked the lost boys, bewildered. They knew in what they called their hearts 
that one can get on quite well without a mother, and that it is only the mothers who think you can't. Wait, I don't quite understand. Yes, she said, clutching them. Not tonight? asked the lost boys, bewildered. They knew in what they called their hearts that one can get on quite well without a mother, and that it is only the mothers who think you can't. Well, yeah, mothers do tend to coddle you, but not in a bad way. It's, it's only one, it's the only coddling. That you can almost reliably get. <laughs> Funny. At once, Wendy replied resolutely, for the horrible thought had come to her. Perhaps mother is in half-mourning by this time. This dread made her forgetful of what must be Peter's feelings, and she said to him rather sharply, Peter, will you make the necessary arrangements? If you wish it, he replied as coolly as if she had asked him to pass the nuts. Not so much as a sorry to lose you between them. If she did not mind the uh, parting, he was going to show her. Was Peter that need? If she did not mind the parting, he was going to show her that neither did he. But of course he cared very much, and he was so full of wrath against grown-ups, who, as usual, were spoiling everything, that as soon as he got inside the, his tree, he breathed intentionally quick, short breaths at the rate of about five to a second. He blames his own fault on others. And currently the easiest for them to go against is adults and grown-ups. He did this because there is a saying in the Neverland that every time you breathe, a grown-up dies. And Peter was killing them off vindictively as fast as possible. Then having given the necessary instructions to the Redskins, he returned to the home when unworthy scene had been enacted in his absence. Panic-stricken at the thought of losing Wendy, the lost boy's head advanced upon her threateningly. It will be worse than before she came, they cried. We shan't let her go. Let's keep her prisoner. I chain her up. You're gonna chain up your mother? She's not gonna act very motherly, will she? In her extremity, an instinct told her to which of them to turn. Toodles, she cried. I appeal to you. Was it not strange? She appealed to Tootles, quite the silliest one. Grandly, however, to did Tootles respond. For that one moment, he dropped his silliness and spoke with dignity. I am just Tootles, he said, and nobody minds me. But the first who does, but the first who does not behave to Wendy like an English gentleman, I will bloody him severely. He drew back his anger, and for that instant, his son was at noon. The others held back uneasily. Then Peter returned, and they saw at once that they would get no support from him. He would keep no girl in the Neverland against her will. Wendy, he said, striding up and down, I have asked the Redskins to guide you through the wood as flying tires you saw. As flying tires you saw. Thank you, Peter. Then he continued, in the short, sharp voice of one accustomed to obey 
to be obeyed. Tinkerbell will take you across the sea. Wake her, Nibs. Nibs had to knock twice before he got an answer. Though Tink had been really had really been sitting up in bed listening for some time. Who are you? How dare you? Go away, she cried. You are to get up, Tink, Nibs called, and take Wendy on a journey. Of course, Tink had been delighted to hear that Wendy was going, but she was jolly well determined not to be her courier, and she said so in still more offensive language. Then she pretended to be asleep again. She says she won't, Nibs exclaimed, aghast at such insubordination. Whereupon Peter went sternly towards the young lady, cha- toward the young lady's chamber. Tink, he rapped out, if you don't get up and dress at once, I will open the curtains, and then we shall all see you in your nightgown. I can't pronounce the word that's written here. Negligee. This made her leap to the floor. Who said I wasn't getting up, she cried. In the meantime, the boys were gazing very forlornly at Wendy, now equipped with John and Michael for the journey. By this time, they were dejected, not merely because they were about to lose her, but also because they felt that she was going off to something nice to which they had never, they had not been invited. Novelty was beckoning to them as usual. They were sad that someone else was getting something they weren't getting. Crediting them with a nobler feeling, Wendy melted. Crediting them with a nobler feeling, Wendy melted. Wendy thought that they were looking at her longingly because they were in love with her and they cared about her. They were only feeling jealous. Dear ones, she said, if you will all come with me, I feel almost sure I can get my father and mother to adopt you. The invitation was meant specially for Peter, but each of the boys was thinking exclusively of himself, and at once they jumped with joy. But won't they think us rather a handful, Nibs asked in the middle of his jump? Oh no, said Wendy, rapidly thinking it out. It will only mean having a few beds in the drawing room. They can be hidden, behind the screens, on first Thursdays. Peter, can we go? They all cried imploringly. They took it for granted that if they went, he would all, he would go also. But really, they, sca- they scarcely cared. Thus children are ever ready when novelty knocks to desert their dearest ones. All right, Peter replied with a bitter smile, and immediately they rushed to get their things. And now, Peter, Wendy said, thinking she had put everything right, I'm going to give you your medicine before you go. She loved to give them medicine, and undoubtedly gave them too much. Of course, it was only water, but it was out of a bottle, and she always shook the bottle and counted the drops, which gave it a certain medicinal quality. There was a book in a Feynman book. Uh, there was a chapter in a Feynman in Feynman's book. Surely you're joking, Mr. Feynman. Talked about how people in the Pacific Islands had had planes come to them during and after World War Two, I think it was. 
cargo called science that was the name of the chapter i've read it a long time ago now yeah so they had experienced planes coming in and saw the the prosperity that it brought along with them for the people living on the island and once the war stopped and the pacific islanders wanted as useful for for the war effort the planes stopped coming in and the prosperity stopped so to to get the planes in they had constructed the entire airport and everything they flat they leveled the land they built uh uh tin or a wooden house in which they had a air traffic controller who was wearing the headphones and all of the shebang and all of it was constructed out of wood if i remember correctly but the planes never arrived you can do all the things that you saw that was supposed to happen to see, have the planes come in and never have the planes come in you can be deluded into believing that you're doing the right things interesting in the right things to get the right results guru scarcely do you know what would really happen with whatever it is you are you're doing i mean nonetheless it did get the attention right <laughs> on this occasion however she did not give peter his draught portion for just as she had prepared it she saw a look on his face that made her heart sink get your things peter she cried shaking no he answered pretending indifference i'm not going with you wendy yes peter no to show that her departure would leave him unmoved he skipped up and down the room playing gaily on his heartless pipes she had to run about after him though it was rather undignified to find your mother she coaxed now if peter had ever quite had a mother he no longer missed her he could do very well without one he had thought them out and remembered only their bad points no no he told wendy decisively perhaps she would say i was old and i just want always to be a little boy and to have fun well he doesn't want to grow up but peter no and so the others had to be told peter isn't coming peter not coming they gazed blankly at him their sticks over their backs and on each stick a bundle bundle their first thought was that if peter was not going he had probably changed his mind about letting them go he was far too proud for that if you find your mothers he said darkly i hope you will like them the awful cynicism of this made an uncomfortable impression and most of them began to look rather doubtful after all their faces said were they not were they not noodles to want to go i don't understand now then cried peter no fuss no blubbering goodbye wendy and he held out his hand cheerily 
quite as if they must really go now, for he had something important to do. She had to take his hand, and there was no indication that he would prefer a thimble. You'll remember about changing your flannels, Peter, she said, lingering over him. She is always so particular about their flannels. Yes. And you will take your medicine? Yes. That seemed to be everything, and an awkward pause followed. Peter, however, was not the kind that breaks down before other people. Are you ready, Tinkerbell? he called out. Aye, aye. Then lead the way. Tink darted up the nearest tree, but no one followed her, for it was at this moment that the pirates made their dreadful attack upon the redskins. Above, where all had been so still, the air was rent with shrieks and the clash of steel. Below, there was dead silence. Mouths opened and remained open. Wendy fell on her knees, but her arms were extended toward Peter. All arms were extended to him as if suddenly blown in his direction. They were beseeching him, mutely, not to desert them. As for Peter, he seized his sword, the same he thought he had slain barbecue with. But the lust of battle was in his eye. End of chapter. So now Wendy and all of the children on Neverland want to escape. Want to go back. They want to grow up. Except Peter, of course. He wants to stay in Neverland. This is the resistance. The pirates are the resistance. Resistance to what? To moving... In, in the direction of progress, in the direction of growth, I suppose so. Nonetheless, it was an interesting chapter. It was fun to read. End of recording.